0: Welcome to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We hope you will be encouraged and challenged today as you listen to a message from one of our speakers. Prepare your heart and get ready to receive a word from God today. So today we're going to be in the book of Genesis. We're actually going to be in two little sections, Genesis chapter 1 and Genesis chapter 3. So that's bizarro, right? We're going to have like Genesis in two chapters. Oh no! I'm sure it's going to go crazy. So Genesis chapter 1 is where you should go. By the way, if you've ever struggled to find a book in the Bible, you can find this one. It's the first book in the Bible. You open up just three, four, five pages, you'll see it there, and you can be successful. Uh, Genesis chapter 1. I'll begin with a little uh, story. Uh, we have a f- family cabin that we got about seven years ago. It's kind of up in northern Michigan. It looks like this. It's a pretty simple place. Uh, boy, we love it. If we ever get a chance to go up, we just love it, family time. And then next to us, we're on a little lake, and next to us is another little family cabin that looks a little different than ours. <laughs> did did you see the difference? Let's go back to our family cabin. Okay, see that? Oh, that's nice. Okay, the next one, yeah, it's different. Can you tell? Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So when we got the opportunity, opera- by the way, ours was a little fixer-upper that we got seven years ago, and um, but we had when we had our first conversation with our neighbors with the little bit nicer <laughs> deal. Uh, within five minutes, I remember the advice they gave us. They said something like this: "Make sure you don't fix your cabin up too much." And uh, I they went on to share what the heart behind their story, because when they bought theirs, theirs is just a, it's a little extra place that they have during the summers. They went on to share when they bought theirs, they like did tons of stuff to it, and they did the rock walls, and then made it, it's really a home, it's like it's a home, it's amazing, and, uh, and they did landscaping down like down by the little lake, and they did rock stairs, and they did a fire pit here, and and they made all this, and basically what it seems, I don't know what's in their heart, but what it felt like they were trying to describe was, we made this simple blessing that was going to be wonderful. They made it so complex, it had, it had become a responsibility hassle. Does that make sense? And... Uh, Uh, So I I use that to introduce a question that maybe will provoke something you've experienced in your life. Have you ever experienced a complexity crisis? And I kind of made that up, but it's when a good thing, a basic thing, kind of morphs into something that's less than life-giving. Some silly examples. Maybe you enjoy baking, you like to make cupcakes for your friends. And then someone says, oh, you should do a business. And so then you start to, you know, you do a little side business, and it goes really well, and and then the side business, you end up renting a place, and it becomes like a real business, and that goes so well that that pretty soon, you know, you're, you're supposed to franchise, and, and somewhere, three, five, eight, ten years down the road, someone even mentions cupcakes, and you just want to throw up on them, because you're like, I hate cupcakes, and it, because it... Does that make sense? It gets to this place where it's like you used—you lost touch with the original joy. It can happen in relationships where you find the love of your life, and then you get married, and then you have kid one or kid two or kid three, and, and then they grow up, and, oh, and school starts, and extracurricular things, happen and then you never heard of travel sports and then that comes along in your life and other little things go and before you, you know and then you got you know working and then you got to work overtime to do the whatever and all that happens and then at some point you're not sure what happened but the love of your life you know walks in after work and you say hey babe and and they just go whatever because <laughs> they forgot that we like each other Or something. Um, I would submit to you that that kind of complexity, complexity crisis could be a word for it, that can happen with our relationship with God. We may have this awesome revelation and understanding that we need Jesus Christ as our savior and that God loves us and he paid the price for forgiveness and we can be, be in relationship. But if we're not careful, some of the do's and the don'ts and the extras and the service and the spiritual warfare and the, oh gosh, I'm still working on that one sin I've been working at for 12 years and and I should have led all my neighbors to Christ, but I still don't even know their name, can get complex and we can lose sight of the stuff that started us in this relationship with our God. I think maybe that happened in the book of Revelation, chapter 2, where God is addressing a group of Christians, it's the church in Ephesus, and he says, I know your deeds, your hard work, your perseverance, look at, that, look at all the things they're doing, and by the way, doing these things are not bad, these are good things, I know your hard work, your perseverance, you're not tolerating wicked people. You're persevering, you've persevered, you've endured hardships, not grown weary, and yet the next sentence, he says this, yet I hold this against you, you have forsaken the love you had at first, interpretation, you forgot about some of that basic, initial stuff, so hold those thoughts we are kicking off a series called "Hello Dad," A fresh look at our Heavenly Father. And part of the hope for the next four or five weeks is to revisit for some of us, it'll be revisiting things about God that when we hear them, we'll be like, "Oh, I knew that." Now you may just have forgotten. But it's part of the wonderful attributes of our Heavenly Father. It also could be that we will teach or talk about some things that will be new to you and will bring clarity because we live in a world that is kind of unclear and oftentimes confused about what God is like. Amen? It can just be people will tell you things about, oh, God is, and can I just tell you, sometimes it is wrong but they heard it from somebody or it felt good to them and it seems like it is just wrong stuff. I'm thinking about a tangent now but I don't know if I should go on it. No wait, don't wait. I'm listening to God. Answer me, Lord. Nah, not today. Okay. Okay, just a little bit. No, I just remember sitting at a wedding one time and and I'm trying not to be too critical of the uh, the pastor that was doing the wedding, but I'm going to go ahead and be critical of him. <laughs> he began to describe God, and he started saying, the, you know, the creator, or maybe you see him as the wind, or the wind and the life force of the mountain misty, and I I was in the back going, what the heck are we talking about? He's a real deity, we can know who he, and the problem was there was no footing to know God, it was like, it was, we had just decided, it was all the, look at the squirrels, and the, that squirrel ain't God, man, what are we talking about the squirrels for, sorry, so that was a moment of, so I took off my shoe in the middle of the wedding, and I hit him right here, (laughs) And then I went up and said, by the way, you could, no, I didn't do any of that. <laughs> you can know God. He sent his son Jesus so we could know him personally. Back to the notes. Where are we in the notes? Hey, so we'll get some reminders about who God is and some clarity on some things that we should. God wants us to know these things about him. Um, by the way, we do have a book that might be helpful to some of us who don't when we start talking about god as our father we don't have a good history with a father or a father figure and so if that's you uh, a friend of mine dan kuyper has written this who he came out of a background where when you say when you if you'd say god is your father that wasn't a real pleasant thing for him he's like that's not winning my heart over And so he, through his his relationship with God, learned some things about his real heavenly father that wasn't through the lens of the distorted, okay? So that just might be helpful to you. That's at the resource. I think we still have some left. Today, we're gonna look at the original story of God as a father, although he is not called a father in Genesis chapter one or chapter three. He is basically giving birth to the universe. He's starting his earthly family. So I still think it's appropriate. Here's what's been going on in Genesis one. It's the creation story god has been speaking and creating like light in the sky and the earth and water and land and living creatures and the vegetation and plants and birds of the air and fish of the sea and animals that move along the ground and toward the end of the sixth day he gets to creating human beings arguably his children and here's what it says beginning in verse 26 god said let us make mankind in our image. You might be thinking, "What's who's he talking to? In our image? This is an indication of the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit already existed before. So he's, ta- he's talking amongst himself. Like, let's create them in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals, and over the creatures that move along the ground. So God created mankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and increase in number. Fill the earth and subdue it. Rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the sky, over every living creature that moves along the ground. That's one section we're going to learn about the Father with. The other section comes in chapter 3. It's just a little glimpse of the Father Uh, This is in the midst of sin is happening now, but we see this image of the father. It says in verse 8, The man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden, but the Lord God called to the man, Where are you? So those are our two texts title of the talk is The Original Dad, uh, Father God in the Beginning. And so I got two ideas from this. Let's pray. Lord, I want to keep having more clarity on who you are. I pray that over the next several weeks you would minimize or dismiss confusion about who you are and help us to know you better build that foundation in our life I pray in Jesus name amen first idea from the genesis 1 text is this from the beginning father god we're looking at his characteristics father god intended human greatness he intended human greatness another way to think about that is when he created us he was he had high expectations for us. I'm getting this getting this from the text where it says and God said, "Let us make mankind in our image in our likeness." That raises the bar. So God is saying, "Let's make them like us." And when I think through that, God God is perfect, God is loving, God is absolutely just, he is holy, he knows everything, he rules over. So in the midst of that, he's saying, let's make, and by the way, another thing, he has just finished through a six-day process, just speaking things into existence like this. Here's some pictures. God has just, the Trinity has just said, hey, here we go, he's done all this, this swirling and lights and the sky and the stars, by the way, and nothing's crashing into each other. How many of you, if we did that like right away, it would be like, we'd, have you ever had a whoops moment? Like, whoops, I guess we exploded that, right? He's done all this stuff perfectly, and then he says, now let's, like, let's make mankind in our image. Does this mean we are gods? No, does it mean we have characteristics like God? Apparently, that's pretty high standard. Here's a fill-in-the-blank. When God created us, his plan was for high capacity. High capacity. High capacity human beings, baby. We see it in the text. If you read, I'd encourage you to read the whole creation story, where he creates all these animals, and then he says to, to Adam, you name them. He gives them responsibility. He didn't, ask, he didn't give assignments to any of the other creations. He says, you name them. there's no record of him saying this but you got the skills you can do this what me yeah go ahead named all of them he also gave Adam dominion rule over the garden you manage the garden yeah God created it, but you manage it you see the high expectation another thing is maybe this is stretching it but God in every day of creation at the end he said this was good this is good. This is good. This is good. And he waits till the end and then he creates human beings. And I think it's like this is the best part. You could make that argument pretty easily. This is the best part. I want to also dwell on a side note. This is important theologically. Um, well, look at 1 Peter 2 9. And then I'll go on to where I was going. Here's what it says about human beings. Well, in this context, in the New Testament, this is a record of those who follow Jesus because they're forgiven for their sin and become children of God. It says, you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession. And I want to dwell on the specialness. Is that a word? I don't know. Is that a word? Do you know what I mean when I say it? Okay. specialness of us by clarifying something in the creation story. It'll come up on the screen just so you know. God was done creating in in this in this linear thinking of creating creation. He, there is a separation. He was done creating animals. Then he created mankind. I don't know if you've ever thought about that. He was done creating animals, and then he created mankind. In our world, our misinformed sections of our world, they're trying to mash that all together. Have you seen this? Oh, no, no, we are all, can I just clarify it like this? You're not an animal species. You're not. According to God and according to the Scripture, you're not a species of animal. You are a special creation of God, and there's a difference. We may have some. We have the same Creator, so animals may have hearts and legs and hair, whatever you know. But but don't ever be deceived and think that you are the same as an ant. We are not animals, you guys. We are created in the image of. God. That's good news. It's a higher standard. And regarding salvation, when we come to Jesus, (laughs) by the way, kind of coming to Jesus is an acknowledgement we haven't been living up to God's standards. We've been acting more like animals than we should. Amen? Amen. No? Do you need to talk about that? Okay, I will. <laughs> right? Have you have, have any of you done anything that was pretty animalistic? You know, like it was, you, yeah, well, we knew you had, Chris, but the rest of us, any? <laughs> but salvation is the moment where you acknowledge, oh God, I have lived way under the standard. You created me in your image, and I have sinned and sinned and sinned. I've acted more like an animal than my than in the image of God. And then so we realize we have a need for forgiveness, and so we go to Jesus, and he restores our heart more back to what the created intention was. He says, I want you to be in my image. And I was thinking through salvation. When I be- Some of you know my story. I became a Christian when I was 20, and I just thought in a different frame Of what some of those early experiences with God were like, because God basically went to work on some of my animal like sin stupidity stuff. Example, I had developed some significant skills in swearing at age 20, pretty skilled. So I still remember it was one of the reasons I knew God has changed, God is changing my life. Because I was sitting, I was at Mike Ben's house and we were playing pool. We played a lot of pool and I was over a pool shot and I I hit the shot and I missed it. And so the F-bomb came out of my mouth. Like boom, because that's what i have been doing, you know, probably three, four, five years through high school and into college. I developed the, the, the reaction of using that word. So I used it and some of you have heard this story in a different form. It was like God snuggled up next to me over my right shoulder. I was on this side of the table, watched the ball not go in. And it's like God snuggled up next to me and he said, you are my son and you are not gonna talk like that anymore. Now, I didn't hear him out loud, but I heard him. You ever heard God? You're like, why do I not lie? I heard him. And it was now as I'm thinking about this whole animal thing and it was like he was saying, look, Mark, you are not an animal. You can control your tongue. Does that make sense? You're not an animal. You can control your tongue. He went to work on my moral life and said, you're not an animal. You can can control your your hormones. You can control your urges. I've created you to be in the image of God. I didn't know all this at the time, but I think that's part of what he was doing. You're not supposed to live like that. You're supposed to live like me, he was saying. Financially, he started to work on my my, uh, my selfishness. <laughs> and, and you're not an animal. All the stuff you have is not for you. It's to be. How many of you know God? The image of God. God is a person. God is a God who shares. He is not selfish. He is giving. By the way, in God's eyes, in God's response to us continuing to live less than in His image I'm making the point, live like animals, you know, like that stuff it does not go well for those of us who just keep doing it. Uh, in Second Peter, I was in first and Second Peter this week during my personal Bible time, and I came across this text. It's describing people who ultimately will not be forgiven for their sin. They will be punished for all eternity because of the way they lived. They, they ignored God. They never asked forgiveness or repented of their sin. This is their destiny. Here's what it says. If It says, these people blaspheme in matters they do not understand. They are like, look at this. They're like unreasoning Animals. Creatures of instinct. Animals have instinct. We are so far above that. Supposed to be. Born only to be caught and destroyed. Their idea of pleasure is to carouse in broad daylight. You ever been there? guess like it's only 1030, but you're thinking about With eyes full of adultery. I mean, I'd like to have her. Oh, and her. Oh, her over there. Well, hi, what's your name? Just full of adultery. They seduce the unstable. Oh, they never stop sinning. They seduce the unstable. They're experts, experts in greed. I got a bunch of money, but I'm an expert. I just want more and more and more and more and more. and more, Not because I can help other people, just for me. That's an expert. They have left the straight way and wandered off. I may be stretching this a little bit, but in the context of the talk this weekend, it's like, can you put that up again? They've left the straight way. The straight way is you've been created in the image of God, my daughter, and I want you to live like me. That's the straight way, but These people have wandered off into the wilderness and acting like something we were not created to be. A couple questions to bring this in the room. Am I living up to God's creative intentions? Like he's called us to be children of God in his image. Am I working at that? Yes, we will fail. (laughs) But are we working at it? By the way, if you make a mistake this week, if you're in Christ, you just turn to Jesus and say, I'm so sorry. Forgive me, I made a mistake. If you're making mistakes and you're justifying your mistakes, and you're just living in them, oh, it's okay. It's no big deal. God will forgive me anyway. Look out. Look out. Don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. God's not an idiot. (laughs) You write that down. My pastor's really smart. He told me that God was not an idiot. God is not an idiot. That we can do whatever we want whenever we want to do it, and he's got to let us into heaven? There's no way. Second question is, am I living with a high view of my potential? God sees great stuff in you, and he'll call it out. He regularly, through the Bible, sees people, and he'll see them have more skills than they actually see in themselves. Moses, God said, I want you to lead my people, and Moses like, there's no way I can do that. God was like, yes, you can. I took a long time in that point. Second point. From the beginning, Father God exhibited some relational patience. This is a warmer side of God, a relational side of God. I'll start with a story before we get to the text. When my, when our, when our oldest daughter, hey, that was almost on cue, except for that's a little boy. Hey, buddy. Uh, When our oldest daughter was born, that was my father, my my mom and dad's first experience with being grandparents. And I still remember something happened to my dad when he became a grandpa. Have you ever seen this happen? It's like, it's like the guy drinks grandpa Kool-Aid and all of a sudden I'm like, who are you? I remember coming around, we were visiting my parents, and uh, my daughter, Leah, was a toddler, just, you know, just, you know, walking around kind of a thing, And, and I came around the backyard, it was in the summertime, and I looked out, and there was my dad walking around with my daughter, Leah, and this, like, just doing this. and they would talk and it was just I remember by the way here's a picture this is not them but it looked it was one this kind of a thing and I remember coming around there and watching and like thinking what's the agenda what are you doing because they was not doing much and it was like I don't know how long 20 minutes it seemed like an hour I'm like what are you guys what are they doing out there and I remember actually saying to my dad something like dad what are you guys doing and he, what he and, and here's what he did. He went, <laughs> just, just I don't know, looking at the grass. Get out of here. We're just looking at the grass. Just looking. You know what I mean? Now here's what I would submit to you. There's some of that grandpa thing in our heavenly Father. There's some of that grandpa thing in our heavenly Father. In our. Chapter 3 text, man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and I connect that to verse 9 where the Lord God called to the man and said, where are you? And I'm, I might be stretching it, but it feels like there's a heart of God saying, my work is done, the day is done, it's the cool of the day and I was hoping we'd be hanging out, but I can't find you. What's the agenda? That just finding you? That just, it's just that time of day where I thought we would, just want to walk around with my kids, my kid, my child. You can write this down. The father was fairly unplugged. During this moment in history, in, in, in the garden, he's fairly unplugged in hopes of making room. Making room in his life with, for Adam and Eve. Just making room. By the way, it's not emphasized in the story of the Gospels and of Jesus, but there are moments in Jesus' ministry where he pulled back. And maybe, maybe it was a little bit like he's just walking in the garden in the cool of the day. There're not a lot of them. Jesus was pretty intense. But a couple in Mark 6:31 says so many people were coming and going that they did not have enough chance didn't have a chance to eat. And so he said to them, which is his disciples, his spiritual sons, "Come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest." It's kind of like It's come with me. It's the cool of the day. We're going to go chill somewhere. A couple more examples. In Mark 14, it describes Jesus as he's in Bethany reclining at the table in the home of Simon the leper. What's he doing? Sitting at the table. John 13 it's the last supper he's washed the disciples' feet he knows one of them will betray him he's just shared that with them and in verse 23 it says one of them the disciple whom Jesus loved was reclining next to him and then this is an interesting it's interesting imagery it says the disciple it was John the apostle John it says leaning back against Jesus he asked so I don't know exactly how this worked, but Jesus is sitting at the table. They would sit typically on the floor with maybe some pillows. And, and John has a question about what Jesus just said. And so it, it, it's like he leaned, I picture him, he leaned back against the chest of Jesus and said, Jesus, I have a question. And what's not in the text, and I'll bet didn't happen, Jesus did not say Get off me, man. I'm the Lord of the universe. There should always be personal space between us. It's not there. He leaned, perhaps, we don't know exactly what it looked like, but there is strong, and he just leaned into Jesus, onto his shoulder, into his back, and said, I got a question. Maybe, like, I got a question, Dad. Jesus like, "Uh uh-huh. John fifteen fifteen, Jesus said to his disciples, his spiritual sons. By the way, he would say to you, daughter, if you're, a da- if you're serious, if you're following Jesus, son, if you're following Jesus, he would say this to you. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. Last fill in the blank. Jesus didn't just come to save the world, but to connect with his kids. That's what our Father is like. Jesus didn't come, just come to save the world, but to connect with his kids. So a couple applications as we close. One is, if you're doing something that is less than the image of God, this week, you should quit it. You should say, Lord, help me not be like an animal. And listen for his voice. Let him call you up. You can be like him in his image. And then the other thing is, this week, wouldn't it be great if every one of us, online here, if every one of us, there was a moment in our week where we walked with God in the cool of the day. God forbid that God's walking around and on his heart regularly is, where's my son? (laughs) Like that's, he doesn't deserve that. Where's my daughter? Where are you guys? (laughs) So just make, I don't wanna lower him into like he's needy, but how about we make his day? And go sit someplace, go walk, go find a place outside of the apartment complex, go someplace, Go to a place and just sit there and just decide, I'm going to go sit with God in the cool of the day. I'm going to walk with God. Who knows how we might interact with God? Who knows what he might say if the agenda would go down and we were just sitting with him? Who knows? Why don't you stand and we'll close. Thanks for listening to the Vineyard Church Weekly Message Podcast. We pray you were impacted by this message.